0: Hello, I'm Kate Chabot. Welcome to an extra edition of BFBS SITREP. The world has warned that war was coming to Ukraine, that Russia was massing an invasion force. Since it began, we've been given unprecedented detail about events on the ground in almost real time, from the size and position of massive Russian convoys to the serial numbers of missiles that hit civilian targets. We know these things not from secret intelligence, but what is known as OSINT, open source intelligence. Images, videos and intercepted conversations can be found right across the internet. The military professionals call it a transparent battle space. However, it's an army of amateur analysts who are collating, checking and sharing the information for all of us to see. But how do they find, check and understand the truth amid a sea of data and misinformation? Well, one amateur analyst guides us through the world of open source intelligence.
1: Hi, my name's Kyle Glenn. I'm the co-founder at the Twitter account Conflict News and also a co-host of the Ocean Bunker podcast.
0: So, Kyle, what's your day job?
1: Uh, my day job, um, I work for a clinical research company. Um, in the kind of proposal side of things. So quite far away from what I do on social media, Twitter and stuff like that.
0: Yes, but it does sound like it's analysing detail. Um, What open source intelligence work do you do?
1: So I do um, a mixed bag really depending on what I'm looking at on that specific day. So I look a lot at satellite imagery, uh, mostly from, you know, free satellite imagery, which is open to absolutely everyone. And I also kind of scour social media, Telegram, Twitter, um, you know the Russian Facebook equivalent, VK, things like that. Just looking at, trying to find what's happening um, at any given moment, you know, especially at a moment in Ukraine.
0: You, you describe it as a hobby. How much time do you spend on it?
1: Um, oh, that's, <laughs> that's the question. Um, I'd say on a on an average day um on top of my kind of normal work my day job I'd spend maybe between 3 and 5 hours maybe more sometimes um and in, in addition to you know like my normal work day so you know it can, it can be a long long day i mean the the day of the invasion i'd say you know on top of my work day i probably spent another 6 to 9 hours <laughs> probably mm. on on twitter and you know looking for information um you know the attack in kramatorsk obviously a lot more time you're looking for evidence for that. So it really does vary, but um, I, I try to at least, you know, first thing in the morning, I'll try and look, and then around lunchtime, and then towards the end of my day, that's when I'll spend the most of my time kind of looking for information, trying to see if there's anything significant that's happened.
0: What are you looking at at the moment? What's your interest um, today, this week?
1: Uh, at the moment, I've been looking a lot of um, at satellite imagery, especially from Mariupol. Um, you know, from the reports there, it seems the city is maybe days away from being fully captured by by Russia. Um, so you know, it's it's really useful. the satellite imagery, you know, you can use, um, you know, certain lenses or filters. I don't know how to describe it, but you can you can see fires burning in cities. Um, and I've been using it myself. You can literally track the front line of the battles moving through the city just by from where the, the fires are burning. So I'm really looking to see if there's, you know, more recent imagery to see, you know, where where the battles are happening and, you know, that'll give us an idea of, of how close, um, you know, Russia is to fully capturing it.
0: And what attracted you to this line of uh, interest?
1: Um, so I've always kind of, I've always been interested in the impact that social media has had on how, you know, war and conflict and protests have been covered, especially in the last decade or so um i kind of you know really kind of caught my attention back in 2011 um with the arab spring um i followed that very closely and then obviously the the wars in uh syria and libya which uh you know happened as a result of those uprisings um again they were very heavily um covered on social media about both by you know people living in those countries and people fighting in the wars so that, that was really interesting to me um and then, you know, 2014 came around and there was the, the Maidan protests in Ukraine. I was on uh, Reddit at the time and they were looking for people to help run a, a, live, a live thread. Just, you know, just like you'd see on any kind of major news site when it's like breaking news, you know, just constantly updating uh, what was happening. Um, so I helped out with that for a little while. Um, you know, I met like-minded people and we created the the... Conflict news Twitter account from Le, which at, uh, at the time focused, you know, primarily on Ukraine after the the protests, um, the annexation of annexation of Crimea, and you know the the invasion into the Donbas region in 2014, and then it kind of we, it kind of uh, turned into focusing more on a you know worldwide focus um, in 2015 after ISIS moved from Syria into Iraq, and you know obviously mm. we know we know what happened there. Um, yeah, so it's just, yeah, it's always been something I've been interested in, especially, you know, in the last 10 years or so.
0: And what is it you want to achieve? Um, well, that's a great
1: question. It's not something I've really thought of, you know, in terms of like wanting to achieve. Um, but, you know, what What I try to do is, um, you know, just provide a little bit more context, provide, you know, information for you know for the wide for a wider audience to see and be able to make their minds up you know we found with a lot of um a lot of reporting especially um in the early days of of the build up of the of the of Russia around ukraine and stuff like that there there was you know there was a lot of headlines and a lot of articles, but little in the way of of evidence so you know a, a newspaper might say. You know, there's, there's 80,000, 100,000 Russian troops on the Ukrainian border. Um, but, you know, there'd be no photos, there'd be no videos, there'd be, you know, there'd be nothing to kind of back up that claim. And, you know, people were obviously very sceptical, um, you know, the war in Ukraine had been going on for eight years, and it seems, you know, like I've been following a lot of time, it seems, you know, every year there was, you know, a rumour or a report or a claim that Russia, okay, this year is the year the Russia are finally going to, you know, go for it and invade again. Um, and of course it never happened, never happened, never happened. So, you know, it was almost a little bit like, for a lot of us, like the boy who cried wolf. Um, so by, you know, getting together these satellite images and getting together these photos and videos and being able to provide actual evidence with the claim Um, you know, myself and others who kind of hoped that we could, you know, allow people to see the evidence and, you know, come to the conclusion themselves that this wasn't, you know, the same as other years and it was a real, real threat.
0: And in the Ukraine conflict, what are your most important sources of information and what can they tell us?
1: I think at the moment, the most important source of information, all the information, all the sources I get the most information from are, um, russian and ukrainian language uh telegram channels who do a lot of the same thing that you know like open source uh, accounts do um you know in like english language like the sphere but obviously they they've primarily focus on like russian and ukrainian language sources and they have access to a lot more of you know like sources on the ground which is something i don't have a huge amount of um you know i've, I've spoken to people in mariupol and spoken to people in kiev and spoken to people in odessa for example but it's very difficult to find these sources. So with these with Russian and Ukrainian language Telegram channels, which you know have the information and are putting it out, um, it gives us you know a great kind of uh, head start on looking into what may or may not have happened um, when when the claims are made.
0: So, do you actually speak Russian?
1: Um, I don't. No. Um, I've kind of. Over the last year, you know, we, we looking over so many you know videos from TikTok and t- from Telegram and stuff like that, you start to pick up phrases and and individual words. So you know, I can maybe recognise a place name or the name of a person, I, you know, just just from being exposed to that same thing over and over again. I, I you know I wouldn't be able to see it you know normally, mm. um, but you know I I know people who speak Russian and Ukrainian. Um, and you know, worst case you know, you know, Google Translate. You know, it's not perfect. It can at least give you the um, the the basics of what's being said. And you know, if, if you need further context, then that's when I reach out to like native speakers. The uh, the wording that was written on the missile. I mean, I use Google Translate to you know to to at least look into that. And that's where I first kind of said, you know, I think the, the word on the missile was for children specifically. But obviously, you know, in context, I believe uh, I was told by like a Russian speaker it meant like for the children, as in, you know, this is for our children or in revenge for children or, or something along those lines. So obviously, Google Translate doesn't always give you the. Um, yeah, the
0: meaning, the, the real meaning. Yes, mm. Exactly,
1: exactly. But it's great to, you know, give you at least a, a, a little bit of a, a start to, you know, give you the initial kind of translation.
0: And how do you actually verify what you're looking at?
1: So I use a, a few different methods. It really depends what I'm trying to verify. So uh, photos, for example, are, um, the kind of first thing I do is um, I'll run the images through uh, reverse search en- engines, <clears throat> which you know, we'll, we'll try to find if that image is old, if it's appeared anywhere else in the past, or anything like that. So that's one of the first things I do. Um, Secondly, you know you look at um, you know the the source. So again, if we go back to the missile attack in in Kramatorsk, quite luckily for you know people looking into it, there was a lot of photos and videos that came out very quickly. So there was multiple photos of the same the same scene, should we say, like the same area from multiple angles. So there was obviously multiple people taking photos and videos of the same aftermath. So, you know, the, the, just the amount of media that came out kind of lends um, support to the the event being credible at first. You know, if it was just one photo of a blurry fire, for example, it, it's not a whole lot to go on to, but it were very clear images coming out of um, casualties after the missile strike. Um, and then in the photos as well, it was very clearly in front of um, a train station. You know, I googled... You know, very simply, I googled Cromwell's train station and I compared images on Google to images I was seeing in in the photos coming out from the track. Obviously, they matched up. I looked on Google Maps, um, you know, Google satellite images, you know, and you could compare images from the from the um, you know from the images that were coming out. You could compare them to the images on on you know satellite images. Um, so very quickly, it was you know evident that you know that particular event was. You know, one recent, especially you know, definitely that day, and two, it is where people were saying it was. So, you know, I'll use a handful of different things. You know, from you know Google to uh, Google Maps, um, and then you know just standard images, just to try and look into into images. Um, videos are a lot a little bit trickier um, because there's no real foolproof way of searching if a video is old or not. Um mm. I believe Amnesty have a tool which you can put a YouTube video in, like the URL of a YouTube video, and it will give you a few screenshots, um not screenshots, or like you know a few frames from the video which it thinks are relevant. And then you can you can and then you can search images for those frames of videos and maybe you'll find that, that video exists somewhere else. But again it is it's not foolproof. The the main thing you know i use and others use is you know i'm in multiple different group chats and 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 chat rooms and stuff like that and if a video comes along one of the first things people do is they'll post it into one of these chats and say you know is this has anyone seen this before does anyone think this is credible you know what do we what do we think of this video um and then you know there'll be a collaborative effort then of, of people looking, you know, thinking, okay, can we, does this look like Ukraine? Can we find exactly where it is? It's claimed to be in this city. Can we find exactly where this was filmed? Is it recent? It'll be a collaborative effort of trying to verify the video before before we post it.
0: And What's uh, the most important or surprising discovery you've made analysing open source intelligence?
1: Um, I think the most surprising thing, especially prior to the invasion, was how Russia wasn't going to any real lengths to hide what they were doing. Um, you know, they were they were every day um, for months leading up to the invasion. Um, there were dozens of videos posted on on TikTok of trains carrying Russian equipment, military equipment towards the Ukrainian border. Um, you know, they were they were placing they were they were storing this equipment in. Um, already well-established military bases, you know, bases which, you know, you can just find openly on the internet um, and, and then, you know, through satellite imagery, we could see the size of these bases were increasing to, you know, a hugeness size. And again, they, they were making absolutely no secret about what they were doing or what they were planning, it seemed, for, mm-hmm. for many, many months.
0: I mean, there will be people listening to this who may be mm. thinking anyone can post anything on the internet, leave the yes. intelligence, the professionals, you're just making things harder. How often do you get that kind of reaction and what's your response to it?
1: Quite like, I don't get a huge amount of comments like that, luckily. Um, but I, you know, I have seen people say, say similar things. Um, and it seems, it's, it's very difficult because there are, I mean, the amount of, um, like OSINT accounts that exist on social media, there's obviously it's going to range from you know good accounts to bad accounts. as in any kind of sphere, any kind of industry, you know there are accounts. You know people like um, Bellingcat, for example, who started. You know Elliot Higgins, he started from exactly like myself. He wasn't a professional. He wasn't you know employed by anyone. He just started off on, on you know himself in, in the war in Syria, and you know right now live. Got one of the most successful, you know, companies in this industry ever. I think, you know, it is. They, they won, you know, the world leading, um, cat You know, they did very, a lot of excellent work on the MH17 shootdown in Ukraine. Um, I believe they provided a lot of evidence to the Hague in regards to that. Um, so, you know, it, it shows that amateurs like like them. Well, not so much amateurs anymore. They're not, but like you know, like myself and like others. You know, they can have a use as long as, you know, we're being careful about what's being shared, you know, there, there was a lot of talk about, um, especially in Ukraine, sharing videos and photos, that what, videos and photos that were shared from, uh, you know, people living in these cities, and then people were locating where the video was shot from, and then obviously, you know, locating exactly where that person lives is obviously very dangerous. Mm. Um, so it's something that, you know, myself and others have, have taken a, you know, a real effort to to not do in the early days, early weeks of the war around Kiev, um, I remember you know having to message a couple of times. You know journalists who were on the ground there, who were actively filming and posting videos of the fighting as it was happening, and you know filming Ukrainian positions and filming where they were in cover and filming where the vehicles were moving and stuff like that. If, you know, if if I'm seeing that footage, then obviously, you know, Russia has seen that footage. And, you know, it was footage that was being posted, posted almost in real time as the battle was unfolding. So mm. um, it's not just amateurs who I think can, can have cause issues. It's obviously, obviously, you know, professionals as well. You know, people have to be very careful about about the accounts they follow and about, you know, the the information that's being shared.
0: You're clearly very passionate about this. Are you tempted to give up the day job and do intelligence <laughs> full time?
1: Um, it's definitely something I've considered. And definitely something I've looked into, um, but it's 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 very difficult. Like you know, I've uh, I, I don't have a university degree or or anything like that. You know, I'm completely self-taught. So you know, when applying for jobs, it's um, they are normally looking for someone maybe a little bit more professional than myself mm. um but it's it's it, yeah it's definitely something i've been interested in and definitely something i i i would love to do because like you said you know i am very passionate about it um but i enjoy my day job as well i you know it, <laughs> you, sometimes you know if, if it's something that's a hobby becomes a job then you might not enjoy it as much um but yeah no it's it's definitely something i've considered
0: Carl Glenn, really fascinating to talk to you. I know you're a busy man. I'll let you get on. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. This is ZITREP.